Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Torch. I'm Jake. And I am Kimberly. And we are super excited today to welcome the one and only Kevin P. Trovini. Kevin is a college English instructor who recently started a side business creating informational YouTube videos, blog posts, and podcast episodes. He completed his undergraduate degree in English and computer applications from the University of Notre Dame and later earned two master's degrees, one in English literature and another in communications. Born in Phoenix, he has worked for the past decade and a half at Henry Ford College in Dearborn, Michigan, where he primarily teaches courses in business and technical writing, composition, and research writing. He was the recipient of the Faculty Lectureship Award in both 2010 and 2014 and currently chairs the English Department's College Writing Committee. Kevin just launched The Writing Dojo, an educational resource with the mission of helping people become more effective readers, more compelling writers, more critical thinkers, and more conscientious consumers and citizens. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. We are so (laughs) excited to have you. I'm personally excited, seeing as you are my cousin. Yeah. So we're related. Yeah, this is a nice little uh, family reunion. Yeah. It is. Talk about what it's like being related to me. Just kidding. (laughs) It's, it's, It's just an amazing experience, you know. I actually, I, I was really excited to see the work you've been doing here. Uh, she took me on the grand tour and mm-hmm. uh, showed me the new Ignite facility and some of the work that has been going on over there. She was a little disappointed because I don't get to see the 100% complete product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next week when we get the rest of the benching and the vinyl on mm-hmm. the walls, but we'll send you photos. It's it's really impressive right now already. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So, Kevin, you just got off of an airplane. Your arms must be tired. Yes. <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> Actually, my father-in-law said something like that this morning. He said, you know, because he thought I was going to run here because he said I was going to, you know, run a marathon. Out here. Right. I didn't expect a dad joke from you. I'm no. sorry. That was a dad <laughs> joke. Yeah, Can we edit totally. that out? Yeah. No, it's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what brings you back to your hometown other than the family reunion? Well, your husband, my, I guess, cousin-in-law mm-hmm. is running his first ever marathon. So I am going to join him and uh, I think we'll have a good time. It'll be really fun. You a runner, Jake? Uh, I am not. I'm only a runner if someone's chasing me or if I see free food. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Kevin is an ultra marathon runner. The dad jokes. I know. Gosh. Sorry. Can we edit that out too? <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking. I'm getting all nervous in front of my cousin. He's very professional and telling <clears throat> dad jokes over here. Yep. Well, you know, that's that's supposed to be the style of my writing dojo, though. That's that's kind of what I'm shooting for is the corny dad joke humor. Uh-huh. So. Don't, don't feel bad about that. <laughs> Did I hit the mark? Yeah, I think so. Nice. So talk to us a little bit about your childhood, Kevin. That's, you know, you kind of know the flow of the torch. We love to hear about you as a person and then you as a professional. Yeah, well, I was born in Phoenix, so it is nice to be back here. Um, I think, actually, I was telling you this earlier that my uh, my mom was delivered by the same doctor that ended up delivering me. Wow. Oh, wow. At least that's that's the story I, I think I remember. Mm-hmm. If my mom listens to this, she might correct me. But I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's, uh, you know, a little interesting factoid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, family lives out here. And my dad was in the military. So we lived all over the place. Um, but when I was about, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, he got assigned at Luke Air Force Base. So we had a good stretch of time here in my, my youth when I got to spend time with the family. Where did you get your undergrad? Uh, I did my undergrad work at the University of Notre Dame. And Go Irish? 
Go Irish. You don't just say that and keep talking, Go Kevin. Irish. Go right. Irish. All right. Yeah, uh, but that was just like I, you know, never had a family connection or anything. Just uh, started looking at some colleges, and that, that came up on the list. So it actually worked out pretty well because uh, at the same time that I moved out to Indiana for, for school there, my dad was assigned uh, to Illinois. So he was about yeah, an hour and a half, two hours away. Mm-hmm. So it worked out pretty well. But, mm-hmm. you know, away from the Arizona family. Mm-hmm. It was a bummer. Uh, so, so you, you got your degree in, uh, English, correct? English and computer applications. Yeah. yeah. So it's a odd combination, uh, you know, computer applications with English. And at the time, even my dad speaking of, he was like, yeah, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to make a living? And, classic know. dad question. Yeah. The whole flipping hamburgers kind of joke. But, you know, the interesting thing is that when you have a well-rounded background, it actually opens up doors. So it turns out that a lot of tech companies that I started doing some internships with uh, while I was still in school, um, I interviewed with them and they said, well, geez, we've got people with tech skills all over the place. But what we really need is someone who's got tech skills who can actually communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it actually became a big selling point that, you know, if you have this English background, wow, you, you actually are an asset to even a tech company. Did you intend to to get a degree that was more something that, uh, you know, you had your hand in, in two pots instead of one? Well, you know, I actually started out as a physics major. Oh, wow. And, you know, I, I just like learning. There's there's so much that I like. And I think it's kind of a shame that we pigeonhole our, our ourselves into these different academic categories because, you know, there, there used to be this tradition of interdisciplinary study. And you think about the greats, you know, you got like the Michelangelos and the Leonardos and, you know, these, these artists and thinkers mm-hmm. who – you know, combine the technical and the artistic. And I I think it's kind of a lost art. Mm -hmm. So there is something valuable about that. And, you know, I considered a lot of different uh, disciplines, but ultimately it just came back to this idea of expressiveness and and communication and and the clarity of thought. But I still like the computers. So it just seemed like a natural fit. And I I, I didn't have a plan. You know, I I would like to say that I did, that I thought this all out, but it was just sort of a happy coincidence. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I think, I think people who usually end up doing great things uh, often do say there was not a plan. They just kind of found the way, right? Yes, the crooked path or the windy path is what it's called. I think where you kind of start here and then you end up where you are today. What was your answer to the question? What do you want to be when you grow up? When you were a kid? Well, you know, a physicist initially, because I got to tell you, you know, Back to the Future. That that for for the longest time, that was my favorite movie. And it's you wanted all, to you know, be Doc Brown? I did. I did. You know, time travel. Wow, that's yeah. that's so cool. And a, as a ten-year-old, I actually started looking up. Now this is you know pre-internet, so mm-hmm. like this this library thing, you know. But as a ten-year-old, I stumbled across uh, research databases and started finding articles ab- about time travel, and then it just morphed into physics. Like that's where those articles were, and they were talking about. Uh, all kinds of subatomic particles and is time travel possible? And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. So for, since the time I was 10, I thought I was going to be a physicist. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started doing the actual physics and it was really cool, but just something felt missing for me, you know, and uh, great respect for people who, you know, for scientists and people who, who do this. But uh, for me, it just wasn't quite the fit, you know, that the tedium of, of doing the math. And uh, I liked it, but it just ended up being the segue for me into a different intellectual path. So, 
you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, with the academics, because I get students all the time who come to me uh, in my office hours and they ask for advice. And especially uh, with the honor students, uh, mm-hmm. I have the privilege of working with them from time to time in various classes. And they come to me and they've got tears streaming down their faces. They're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do because they, they, they have so much pressure being in the honors college. They want to make sure that they've got the right career path planned mm-hmm. and that they have the right major to get there. And I have to tell them, honestly, it doesn't really matter. You're not really going to college to get this degree, to get that job. It, does, it doesn't really matter what degree you get. You are learning how to think critically. You are learning how to communicate effectively. You are learning how to conduct research and, and be someone who can contribute to uh, you know, a broader intellectual endeavor. So whatever the degree is, you're, you're learning valuable skills that translate, whether it's into the, the workforce or if you go into academia, you know, you've got valuable skills. So don't worry about this. And, and there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who have you know, foregone college or they start college and they drop out. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm a college English teacher. I'm not going to say drop out of college, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's not a requisite. You know, you, you can have that crooked path, that winding path and still get there. It's really about what you end up wanting to do. And that, that's going to change. So what led you to become a professor? So when I first graduated, I was doing some work uh, with consulting firms and it was that combination of the technology and the communications And I did an internship as an undergrad that was a documentation specialist position. That's that's a sexy title, isn't it? Documentation specialist intern. Heck yeah. But it was the business and the writing. And so I went back to school to get more of that English training. And, uh, you know, I basically uh, this is not a glamorous answer. I I needed money Mm -hmm. and you could be a graduate assistant. Mm -hmm. You could teach and get tuition, um, you know, dollars. And I just, I fell in love with it. And I got very lucky that um, I started part-time as an adjunct instructor at Henry Ford while I was finishing my master's degree. And they just happened to be hiring at that time. And I threw my hat in the ring. And, you know, there were like 100 applicants. So I I am proud of this. That's amazing. It it wasn't just like I was the only one. Uh, But I I knew people. And this is the thing that I would say, you know, that relates to what we're talking about here at at the Better Business Bureau, the power of networking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily the best candidate in terms of the academic history and, and work experience, but I busted my butt. And the full-time instructors who happened to be interviewing me were the same ones that I had seen at these other events and socials and uh, team building exercises and whatnot. And so they recognized me and they're like, hey, this is someone who's a hard worker. I think that gave me a leg up. Nice. Right. And that's probably something else uh, you could tell those students that are worried about, you know, what their future is going to be is that a lot of times it's just a combination of luck, opportunity, and who you know. Yeah, well, and you know, I definitely think luck uh, that you you have to be grateful for the opportunities you have, and it's not always how hard you work because there are people out there who bust their tails and the opportunities don't come, and that that's just the chance. But I also think that people tend to make their own luck, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and if you fail often enough, eventually you'll succeed. And, you know, you have to have that combination, that that effort, that plan that you have something you're trying to accomplish. And maybe you don't end up there. Maybe you end up somewhere else. But that's part of the journey is, is that you are trying. You've got the effort and you're interacting with people. And you have to reach out to those people who are going to give you those opportunities to succeed. I want to know who inspires you. Um, If you could meet one person, living or dead, who would it be and why? 
Well, this, this goes back to the physics background. Uh, a guy named Richard Feynman, he was a Nobel Prize winning physicist, and he was a bit of an eccentric. And I honestly, I don't think that those two are, you know, unrelated. <laughs> um, he wrote a series of books. Actually, I think it was just a, a basically transcripts of audio conversations he had with, with a, a friend of his. Um, the famous one is Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And he had a follow-up book. Uh, I believe it was called What Do You Care What Other People Think? And he's kind of become one of these pop culture icons, but not to the same extent as like Carl Sagan or mm-hmm. Bill Nye. But uh, he did show up in an episode of Big Bang Theory. Okay. So he's well <laughs> enough known to, you know, hit Chuck Lorre knows who he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he was part of the Manhattan Project. He worked at Los Alamos in New Mexico during wow. the Second uh, World War. Um, he got the Nobel Prize for his work that he did subsequently. He was a professor at Caltech. And he was actually on the panel when the Challenger exploded. Uh, to, to do the research and try to figure out what caused the incident. He's the one who demonstrated that it was the rubber in the O-rings. And when everybody else was making this a big political bureaucratic mess, he had this public demonstration where he got a sample of the rubber from the O-rings and put it in a glass of ice water and demonstrated that when he took it out in front of the whole crowd, this is you know what his rhetorical strategy was, he took it out and showed that it didn't uh, uncompress as quickly as the the rubber that wasn't in the ice water, mm-hmm. and that that was you know we now know. I mean now it seems obvious, but back then we didn't understand that it was the cold temperatures. Mm-hmm. So he you know had this kind of genius, but he also knew how to communicate effectively, and you know a little bit of the eccentric oddity, and I, I think I can kind of relate to that. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely an inspirational figure. So in addition to being a husband, a father, and a full-time English professor, you decided to become an entrepreneur this past year and start a side hustle. Talk about the writing dojo. So I, well, I'm a bit of a Disney fan. My family, uh, you know, I've got the young kids. I've got an eight-and-a-half-year-old eight and daughter and a 10-year-old daughter, Allison and Rebecca, and we, we go to Disney. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that happens during the school year for me. Now, the way we've done it is we go when my children have the week off. They have like a spring break or a, a fall break. Mm-hmm. And I burn all my personal business days because they never sync, right? My, my vacation week and theirs never match up. Mm-hmm. So we, we go on this trip and I had to miss work because it was their time off, but I was still supposed to be in class. And I have, you know, again, this perfectionism and, you know, this guilt, I guess. Like I, I couldn't leave the classes without material. So I started just on my phone and my wife's old digital camera recording some brief lessons, like what I was supposed to do that day. And I spent probably five hours getting the footage and everything set up for a 20-minute presentation. But I I wanted to have something for my students. And so that was the first foray into audio and video production for for lessons. And I started thinking about, I'm like, you know, this was kind of fun. Wouldn't it be cool to, to make more of these lessons? Like the stuff that I already do. It's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, that's the thing is it's my side hustle, but it's, it's something that I, I have experience with. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't it be cool to make these videos and, and make them available to a wider audience? And so that was the foundation that uh, led to the Writing Dojo. What is your elevator pitch for the Writing Dojo? What should I know about it? What can I expect from it? Well, essentially, it is an online educational resource for students educators, business professionals, and anyone wanting to write with more clarity, effectiveness, and authority. What are the products? What are the services? Mm-hmm. What can I expect? If I'm, a, if I'm one of your customers, what am I getting? Free information. Free information. Free information. So the plan is to have, I've got, I've got the website, so that's mm-hmm. the anchor. 
And off of that, I have links to the YouTube channel, the podcast, and the blog. Now, the YouTube is kind of where I want this to really go because, again, that's, this is how it started. Is It's basically like me in the classroom doing my thing and presenting information. And hopefully this helps, you know, especially students. But, but I also put in there business professionals because I, I do teach business and technical writing. I was the chair of the business and technical writing committee. This, this goes back to that work experience I had uh, in college. And, and I think that it's, it's valuable not just in an academic setting, um, but really, anybody who just wants that quick resource, maybe I get people who show up and they just want one episode because they're trying to figure out, man, how do I write a memo? And mm-hmm. they never come back. Well, fine. Then I've helped somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully it's something that takes off and people find it valuable and, and come back. And, and really, it's just free education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's a business model around that, you know, so that you, you could monetize this. It, it's nice to think about those as well. And it's it's really all about having multiple channels. Mm-hmm. You, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And this is the big thing with YouTube right now. I don't know how many people might be aware of this, but YouTube did this big demonetization. It, you know, uh, it's kind of a scandal among YouTubers uh, mm-hmm. within the past year or two where it was a lot harder for people to to make a profit. You have to have something like 10,000 hours of views now. So wow. if you're a new YouTuber, you, you, you know, you're not going to get money from Google ads. Mm. But, you know, if you've got other channels, other resources, if you are um, using, um, if you've got merchandise, you can sell that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people will sell online courses. So they, they share some content, but then they keep some, uh, you know, tips to themselves and they'll, they'll parcel that out in paid courses. Um, there's also affiliate marketing. So if you have a product that you're using in the show, a lot of people, a lot of YouTubers do this. If there's a product that you're using, you'll put a link to it in the description of the video. And it's a link that ties to your affiliate account. Mm-hmm. And basically like, let's say it's Amazon. If someone finds out about this product through your show, they click on your link and they go to Amazon. If they make a purchase, even if it's something else, even if it's not that product, if they make a purchase within 24 hours, you get a portion of that as a, as a referral bonus. Mm. Oh, that's nice. So it's, yeah. it's a win-win. So the, the, the consumer finds out about this product they didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Amazon gets their cut. And then, you know, you get a little piece of the pie, too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of podcasters will do that as well when you see this who sponsors podcasts, especially I listen to a lot of other entrepreneurship and business podcasts. You'll hear a lot of advertisements for really helpful products, WordPress, um, what's the one, Fiverr. Skillshare, all the different. Wix is a big Wix, one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'd be happy to be sponsored by any of those companies, by the way. <laughs> the, the Writing Dojo as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wix, uh, you can email us at thetorchpodcast at bbbcommunity.org. Or you. if you want to reach out to me, it's uh, <laughs> kevin at thewritingdojo.com. We'll so many options. <laughs> you going to invest or what? <laughs> no, I, 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 I like that because... Um, I don't know. I really appreciate uh, uh, companies or businesses whose goal is to kind of do good in the world. And like like language is like one of the most powerful kind of like tools you have when you're, you know, going out there. Maybe people are starting their own business, you know. Um, So, I mean, the content that you provide people. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the goal is to be empowering, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is to help people communicate more effectively. And that might be in the workplace. Uh, it might be in 
the college classroom. And it might just be that you're a parent who wants to write a letter to your child's teacher. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be for money. And, and that's, you know, going back to the money aspect, I, I want to make that clear. That's not my goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is going to be a terribly, you know, lucrative endeavor for me. It's, it's really first and foremost about trying to help people and trying to do what I do in the classroom, you know, and bring that to a broader audience. Talk to us about a few more resources that you used because, Kevin, you've done such a phenomenal job of taking every precaution and necessary step to get your business off the ground. So calling it a side hustle to me is almost um, downplaying all of the hard work you put into it. I know, or at least I believe you incorporated your business. I mean, you've been going about it the exact way that we at the Better Business Bureau would like to see an entrepreneur start their business. You've really done it the legal way, the ethical way. So take us through that process because you're really our first, I think you're the first person on our podcast too that has gone through this entire process within the last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know everything I'm doing. That's, that's the thing is that I am making a lot of mistakes. And, you know, you don't always hear people talk about that. You, you see some of these talking heads out there about, oh, you know, work hard and do this and do that. But they don't always emphasize just how difficult it is to get off, off the ground. So, you know, I, you're right. I started with the legal aspect because I'm trying to think, all right, w- what do I need to do to make this a viable enterprise? I mean, honestly, I would be happy if I just make enough money to pay for the web hosting. You know, it, it would be nice down the line to maybe make something more of this. But even if you just want that, it, it helps to have the, the, the legal foundation. So I looked into, you know, what kind of business do you do? And there's, oh, my God, there's all these different types. Why did you decide an LLC versus becoming a nonprofit? Well, because I, I do hopefully, you know, want to, <laughs> it would be nice, right? You can dream. I yeah. mean, I, right now, you know, it's early days, but it, it would be nice. And it's just, it's just me. It's a one person operation. And just looking at uh, the, the tax implications and, you know, the financial aspect of it and the legal aspect, it, you know, for my situation, that's what works best. But again, this is where it comes down to the research. So it's not like, you know, listeners should be like, oh, LLC, that's the way to go. It yeah. depends on the context of your business situation. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you did it is really important because, again, a lot of folks doing a side hustle or starting a business might not officially or legally incorporate, which is what we, again, at the BBB would like to see. So I'm well, yeah, a lot, a lot of people might um, have a certain skill and they will start doing it and charging people money for it when, in fact, they might be living in in a municipality that requires that you be licensed in that spe- in that specific mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to even like just like l- and you'll get this with light research, you know, just. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. What else did you do to get? The writing dojo off the ground. Well, again, I started by thinking about the social media names and trying to, you know, branding. I mean, you, you have to think about that. Even though I'm not a marketing guy, you know, you, I, I like to have all my ducks in a row and mm-hmm. I like to have everything neat and tidy. There's that, you know, perfectionism tendency there. So you have to be always thinking ahead. And, it, you know, for me, it was the legal, the financial and the, you know, the marketing aspects because frankly, that's what I'm weakest in. And, and maybe that's what it comes down to is what what do you need the most help with? Seek that out first. A lot of these business uh, people and entrepreneurs say that you should start your day with the most challenging task for the day. Because once you've gotten that out of the way, everything else seems easy by comparison. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the strategy I, I employed. And it worked for me. You know, it might not work for everyone, but that's how I got into the figuring out the legal, the financial, and, and the marketing aspects. How do you go about budgeting to get your startup costs off the ground? 
well, first of all, you got to kind of figure out how much am I going to need? Mm-hmm. And and for me, a lot of that was, again, listening to those uh, influencers who had already gone through that process. And they, there are a lot of review videos. And, and this goes back to the affiliate marketing, you know, so it's, it's a win-win. So what, what tools do these guys use? Find out what the people who are already succeeding are using. And, you know, that, that gives you an idea of what you might do. And a lot of these videos, well, they'll go over, like, here's the low end. Here's your budget equipment to get mm-hmm. started. Here's the high end. And so in my case, it's like, hey, I'm funding this myself. So let me try to find something that's decent quality, but I can throw this together. The, the, that's, that's a very mm-hmm. important part of it is, um, yeah, you can have all these big aspirations about the kinds of equipment you need, but like people need to set expectations for themselves. The things that they're going to be accomplishing need to be balanced out by their budget. You know? Yeah. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that if, if I just get the most expensive camera, if I get the fanciest setup, that's what I need to succeed. And, and really, I believe it's Sean Cannell who says that, that content is greater than production value. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really matter. You, you can have a, a, a cell phone camera and get all kinds of hits on YouTube. People can forgive quality if the content is good enough. Yeah, if you provide a valuable service, and I mean, I think that's what you know BBB is all about, right? The valuable, ethical kinds mm-hmm. of services. Uh, that's what people are looking for. Absolutely. And you can always upgrade, mm-hmm. right? But you know, if you blow your budget early on, y- you could find yourself in a hole that you know you can't recover from. And then you can't bring any of that value to other people. So start within your means, you know, reach out, find the resources that are available. You know, it doesn't have to be all you. Maybe you've got family members or colleagues who are willing to to share the load with you and invest. Mm-hmm. But you, you have to seek out those resources and you have to just even be open to that. You know, sometimes people are reluctant to seek out that help. Mm-hmm. Don't be. What, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? They'll say no. All right. Then you're no worse off. Yeah. And then you can move on to the next person. Absolutely. In terms of, of people who have sort of like started in one career or maybe they're in, they've been in a career for, you know, as long as you've maybe been a professor, right? 16 years now. 16 years. Wow. I know, right? Wow. When That's it, awesome. When it comes to sort of pivoting in the, in the sort of way that you kind of have right now, right? Like how, how does that work for you? Right. I imagine because you still got to pay the bills. You're doing your day job. But, you know, how much time are you spending after work developing your side hustle? I I believe it's Gary Vaynerchuk who (laughs) going back to him again, who says, you know, you've got 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. How much time are you actually spending at work? You've got to make time for what's important, you know. And so for me, a big chunk of that is family. And I still try to get out and do my running. I, I am a runner, so I like to get that in, and that clears my mind. But, you know, you've got other hours of the day. So are you spending that time just binge-watching Netflix, or are you using that time trying to do your side hustle? And mm-hmm. in my mind, you know, it, it, this works out well for me because in my situation, I teach college and I've got the summer off. Now, I can work then if I want more money, but the decision I made years ago is that as long as I've got young children – I've got the rest of my life to make money. Mm-hmm. I will take my summers off and spend that time with them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's easier then for me. And not everybody has that luxury. But everybody has 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. What what do you do with those hours? So do you use that for just entertainment and mind-numbing scrolling through social media? Or do you try to allot, you know, some of that? It doesn't have to be all. I mean, fine. You know, scroll through Instagram. Great. I'm but, sure Elon Musk likes scrolling through 
his own kind mm-hmm. of like oh, Instagram, yeah. you know, yeah. on Twitter all the time. <laughs> that guy. Is this about balance, though? You know, have have time for yourself, absolutely, because you don't want to burn out. But you can find the time if you really look. Mm-hmm. What what can you cut cut out, and what can you focus on? It's all about values and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Discipline your schedule, right? And and you know, don't be afraid to allow yourself the luxury of sometimes not living up to those expectations. You know, if you have a bad week, okay, fine. You, you'll, you'll kill it next week. Mm-hmm. You get back out there and, and, and crush it the following week and, you know, hustle and all those buzzwords. But, mm-hmm. you know, you are allowed to have a day for yourself. But do you get out there and try to do the effort? Find the time. I think that probably being a runner has a huge impact too on your mentality because what you were just saying sounds a lot like that runner's mentality where it's really – Um, like my husband was explaining to me just last night, running is, yes, it's a sport and there's a physical aspect, but when you're doing longer distance, like a marathon, or in your case, you're an ultra marathon runner, it probably... They have those? Ultra marathon. yeah. Oh my gosh. What is an ultra marathon? Basically anything over a standard 26.2 mile marathon. So you've got the baby ultras. Those are the 50 Ks. Not not, not five, 50, 50 K. And that's like 31 miles. And no no matter how far you go, there's always someone who's running further. So you've got the 50K, 50-mile, 100-mile. What's the longest you've run? Uh, I've done one 100-miler. In one day? Uh, Well, technically it was 27 hours, but so. So that's a mentality thing. You have to be (laughs) of a certain mentality and just a certain build in your life and and, mind to do that. I think that comes down to what Jake was talking about. It's it's that discipline. You know, can you get out there and do that? And I'm not fast. (laughs) You know, you you don't have to be the best. You just have to get out there. You know, 2018 is was the year of the writing dojo for me because that was laying the groundwork, even though 2019 is when really it's public facing. I just want to try to get some content out there. I just need you need to get started. And I know it's not good. It's it's never the best when you first start out, and that that's been the hardest thing for me to to let go of is you know I, I want everything to be right, and eventually I set the launch date, not so much that I wanted to have this big launch. It was just it was for me. It was for me to have some sort of deadline to hold myself accountable because if you, you keep putting it off, it never happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I've seen videos about this, and this is what's frustrating to me is they're like, you know what, your first video was never the best. And I'm like, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right. I'm gonna do my research, you know. And sure enough, uh, you know, the, the, what I've got out there already, uh, you know, I listen to it. I'm thinking, oh, I didn't edit that out, or this was bad. It, my wife keeps telling me, and she's right. She says you have to stop the negative self talk. Mm-hmm. You, you know, other people don't always notice the criticisms that you see. And, you know, even if you have something that's not perfect, again, what's the content value? What, what is the value proposition? You know, throw that business term out there. You know, we what, love that. What, <laughs> there you go. You know, what, what, are you, what are you bringing to your audience? What are you bringing to your customers if, if you're a business? And it's not about perfection. It's about getting out there, getting started, and, and doing something. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Kevin. It has been awesome to have you here, kind of my world's combining. I'm really thrilled you got to meet Jake, be on the torch, see our campus here at the BBB, and not to get too sappy, but StoryCorps style from NPR, because they do StoryCorps on Friday here in Phoenix. It is so wonderful to have somebody as awesome as you to be related to. I'm really grateful for the example you've always set for me, and it is inspirational to be related to someone as smart as you and driven and 
awesome as you. Well, I tell you what, the feeling is mutual because you've, you've done some amazing work here. And I, I've seen that Ignite campus. Uh, and wow. Uh, the, the the work that you have put into this place is is phenomenal. And Jake, I'm just super impressed with with uh, the whole podcasting endeavor. And I already told you this. I'm kind of jealous of your editing skills. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Last thing I want to ask you, Kevin. How many gigawatts does it take to travel through time? Well, gigawatts, if you're being, you know, scientifically correct, but it's 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> Nerds. A huge thanks to Kevin Trevini for joining us on the show. Fun fact, Kevin had a cold when recording this week's episode. You can't even tell, right? But the next day, he went and ran a marathon with Kimberly's husband. Talk about determination, right? I think one of my favorite takeaways from our conversation with Kevin was that you don't necessarily need to have a strong background in business to start a business. If you're disciplined about doing your research and laying all the necessary groundwork, the only other thing you need is a passion for what you're doing. Always be learning, folks. Who do entrepreneurs turn to when they need their vision to be refueled, and where do they go for sparks of inspiration? Ignite, sparked by BBB, fuels entrepreneur growth, sales, impact, and success. Ignite also sparked The Torch, making it possible for our audience to hear such great content about the world of business and entrepreneurship. If you're interested in dropping in or reserving co-working space at Ignite, sparked by BBB, please inquire at ignite at bbbcommunity.org or visit us at our Maricopa County campus in Central Phoenix. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks.